the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Innovators Network. Kim McNicholas on innovation. Spotlighting successful entrepreneurs, innovators, investors, and industry experts. Their stories and insights can help you become better informed, better educated, and a better investor. Your host is Emmy Award-winning anchor, reporter, and writer Kim McNicholas. Kim has been a journalist at Forbes magazine, a Fox News Channel contributor, vetted more than 3,000 startups, and has been a mentor for entrepreneurs around the globe. Now, Kim McNicholas on innovation. It started with a handful of women who called out Binary Capital co-founder Justin Kaldbeck for what they call inappropriate behavior, making unwarranted advances towards women who approached him for funding. He and his business partners at Binary Capital have since offered their resignation. Then one of the most sought-after and well-known investors in all of Silicon Valley, the co-founder of prestigious startup Accelerator 500 Startups, Dave McClure, was called out by several women, one alleging sexual assault for an incident she claimed happened one night where he allegedly came on to her physically, kissing her, despite her resistance. Something I want to address very quickly, though, because it shouldn't have to be said more than once or in long form. It shouldn't even have to be said at all. But since I have had several men comment on my posts on Facebook and LinkedIn, in fact, saying touching is not sexual assault and it's not predatory behavior, even if one person does it to more than one woman, I thought I'd make this very clear. It is and it is. The fact of the matter is no is no. Enough said. Respect a person's space no matter what. Now, why are we talking about this on a show about innovation? Well, while lead adopters of technology are women, according to a study by an Intel researcher, only 7% of venture capital money goes towards female entrepreneurs, even with the exact same pitch as a man, according to a study by Harvard Business School. So women are at a disadvantage here in Silicon Valley when starting a company. It's simply reality. Facts are facts. So it seems that some of these men with a lot of money and a lot of power have and are abusing it by making unwarranted advances towards these female entrepreneurs who feel as though they have to accept this inappropriate behavior if they want to survive with the big dogs of Silicon Valley. Sad but true. Both Dave McClure and Justin Kalbeck issued public apologies for their inappropriate behavior, basically admitting they have been appropriate, inappropriate, but they wouldn't be specific. So no one can deny what's been going on for years behind the scenes now. I'm simply surprised a shakeup hasn't happened sooner because it's been a long-running joke amongst women who say they go in for a check and come out with a date. Unwarranted and unwanted, albeit. But I think the women were afraid to come forward up until now out of fear of being alienated. 
And the fame of many of these big dogs here in Silicon Valley was so strong that even if they did wrong, the social climbers, those who fear getting in the not-so-good graces of those almighty and powerful, as they like the feeling of belonging, they needed to feel aligned with the who's who, even if the who's who's behavior was unacceptable. They would support the rich and famous no matter what. They, they would either think somehow the behavior was acceptable and start emulating it, or they would make the women feel as though they're the problem. Wow. If she wouldn't have worn this or that, or if she wouldn't have looked at him in that way, this would have never happened. That's BS. There's no excuse for indecency and disrespect. And yet there's a lot of it in many, many forms. So this shakeup is long from over. I'm just waiting for the next shoe to drop. I know a number of powerful VCs whom I know have made unwarranted advances to female entrepreneurs that have yet to be called out and taking it to the next level. Some who have also blatantly discriminated against women saying they wouldn't invest simply because the woman is in so-called childbearing years. But the bad behavior in the rich and powerful investing market actually doesn't discriminate. It may be worse for women, but the abuse of power also transcends across the board, as several male entrepreneurs I've spoken with as well have VC horror stories. And something must be done. Action, though, is being taken. And that's why today I've brought in a number of amazing women who are at the forefront of this controversy trying to find solutions. Before I introduce them, I do want to point out that this is not an overall attack on the VC community. I have not had any bad personal experiences with any of them. And the ones that I've surrounded myself with are incredibly good, fair, quality individuals with diverse portfolios. But with that, please welcome Fran Meyer, co-founder and CEO of Baby Gear Rental Company, Baby Airs, who's also the co-founder of Match.com. So nice to see you again, Kim. Glad to be here to discuss this very important topic. Very, very important. Or topics. Oh, yeah. There are a lot of them. We're going to be going over the next hour. Also on the phone, we have Ingrid Sanders. She's an entrepreneur and investor who has been an active participant in helping to create a template for VCs and other companies to inspire decency and diversity. Hi, Ingrid. Hi, Kim. Thank you so much for shining light on this very important topic. And I really appreciate you calling. You're calling in from Lake Tahoe, right? I am, yes. <laughs> wow. Where to begin? Um, first, why don't we you know, start with, Fran, you're right here, um, and, and just give your overall thoughts. I know you came out with a blog post that was incredibly insightful following this shakeup. Well, Clearly, there are issues that women are facing when they try to raise money for their own company. And, well, obviously, I'm glad that there's now a decency pledge or other actions to make sure that venture capitalists who have the power in the relationship don't abuse it by sexually hitting up on women or unwanted advances and so on. I think that's kind of a low bar. That is actually, that's almost sad. And and, and that's what really disappoints me, that it's such a low bar, and it's been so long in coming. And I guess it's a good first step, but as I wrote in my post, we got to do things that that make it more possible for women to raise money in a fair and and gender unbiased way. And also age unbiased and sexuality unbiased and all the rest. And, and so, Ingrid, you also um, wrote about this in a couple of blog posts, correct? 
Uh, yes, and one and medium that's um, gotten a lot of attention. Uh, one of the things that's been really interesting to me to see, particularly about that blog post, is that um, of the 20,000 or so views that it's had, nearly half of them were referred through either email, direct entry, or IM, which is highly, highly unusual. And to me, it really speaks to the fact that this is an issue that a lot of people care about, but um, even still aren't necessarily always willing to speak up publicly or even show kind of their interest in the issue by sharing it, let's say, on Facebook or liking a post on Facebook. I was um, actually, so as well, one-to-one. I was I was afraid of the repercussions um, in, in posting anything um, and even saying anything. I've been quoted um, on NBC11 and a, a couple other um, media outlets on this. And I'm even fearful. I just gave a quote today to, to Bloomberg as well, you know, talking about this. And every single time, why is it that we still feel uncomfortable speaking speaking our truth? Yeah, well, the, why why is it? Because we, we don't know when we're going to need money again. Mm-hmm. We don't want to be blacklisted. You know, we don't want to be seen as a rebel rouser or somebody who doesn't take... Um, direction or doesn't know how to know her place. And this brings up, and I know Fran and I talked about this a little bit before the show, that we don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but there, there is a fear of some backlash after this. Yeah, I mean... I, Not intended, but there could be a backlash. Well, I, I've, I, heard, I was listening to the uh, one of the TechCrunch podcasts that are saying that some venture capitalists might decide that they can't take meetings with women, or at least not with women alone or in private, because potentially she could accuse him. You know, and, and this does not foster mutual respect. No. Professionalism. The same opportunities for, you know... Early in my career, I wasn't invited to the golf outing for the guys or the ski trip. Well, you know, that's where things happen. So you want to be able to go to those things and participate and maybe even have a drink or two. But you don't want to be sexually harassed. (laughs) No, not at all. And and Ingrid, you were also um, talking about that as well, that you were hearing the same thing. Yeah, you know, one of the things I addressed in the blog post that I wrote is that really, you know, we're speaking about gender harassment and gender-specific issues here because there are some very specific instances that have come to the forefront. But the the broader picture is that there are abuses of power dynamics across Silicon Valley that are rampant, a lot of them against women because women obviously hold a lot less power in the Valley. As you mentioned, there are fewer female VCs, fewer women entrepreneurs, but also there are instances of venture capitalists, you know, harassing or abusing male VCs because they hold the power. And I've heard specific quotes like, you know, in the history of Silicon Valley, no entrepreneur has ever won against a VC, so you shouldn't dare speak up. You should just do what we say and, you know, give up your rights or give up your company or whatever it might be um, because we hold the power. I've, I've heard instances of venture capitalists hiring private investigators to follow an entrepreneur, you know, for up to a year trying to find something that they can pin on them to kick them out of the company. That's crazy. Well, coming up right here on Kim McNicholas on Innovation, hopefully we'll provide some ideas for solutions 
to this abuse of power. So stay with us. Now, back to Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome back to the show. We have from Fran Meyer. She's co-founder of Baby Gear Rental Company. Baby Irish, also CEO, also co-founder of Match.com. She's here in studio. And on the phone, we have Ingrid Sanders, entrepreneur and investor. And we're talking about the shakeup that's happening in Silicon Valley. Female investors are coming to the forefront saying, hey, you know what? We're we're tired of the sexual advances by male VCs who are abusing power. And we're going beyond that, just recognizing that there could be a grander abuse of power in Silicon Valley from the haves to the have-nots. And before the break, we were talking about a potential backlash towards women because of what's happening, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um is there a solution? We'll start with Ingrid on the phone. Ingrid, do you think that there is a solution to a potential backlash? You know, I think I think there are formal policy things that need to be addressed, which um, I think we're going to talk about in a minute. But really, it's, I would say, all of our responsibility to support the evolution to a culture that doesn't permit these sort of behaviors. So, um, there's been some discussion online about people who witness these behaviors or even enable them in their companies being, you know, to some extent equally responsible for the behaviors occurring. I think we all need to get to a place where we are standing up and supporting those who come forward and also just speaking up when we observe behaviors that are not appropriate either to that person directly or to their supervisors or, or others who are in, in charge. And I think alcohol also is a big uh, component uh, of this whole thing. I remember my my former boss, Sarah Lacey, once said to our group of reporters um, preparing to go out in the field that, you know what, you know, just pretend like you're drinking and just, you know, keep feeding them alcohol and they'll give you anything you want. You know, any of these entrepreneurs will tell you anything. And it's just like this mentality that everybody loves to drink and it's just appropriate and acceptable well, that's what they tell, tell drink that much. That's what you're supposed to tell your daughters who go to college is is don't go with other girls and don't get too drunk. But mm-hmm. you know, honestly, we're supposed to be more adult here. <laughs> okay, What's that? So- wait, what, friend, wait, 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 wait. What's that word? Adult. <laughs> what does it mean to be an adult though I, here in Silicon Valley in the startup world? Well, I, it should mean respect for other people, mm-hmm. professionalism. Not being overwhelmed by your own gender biases and your own proclivities, listening to other people. I mean, this this ought to be a fair game. And it ought to be a fair game for the good of their firms. It they, should. They ought to see that. And maybe this is why this backlash is finally happening and having some teeth is because it is not good for 500 startups or for any firm to be accused of this. It is not good that perhaps they're not listening to women tell their stories about their their ventures, their business, but they're thinking about other things. Maybe if these firms took more of a proactive approach to attracting female entrepreneurs, bringing them through, helping them succeed, mm-hmm. that might be good for their firms. A lot of good ideas do not get funded by VCs. The funding disparity between women and men last year was $50 billion. In other words, men got $50 billion more than women did. Now, Sure, there's a lot more guys in tech, but there's a lot of female entrepreneurs with good ideas that should be funded. Right. And I mentioned in the beginning that there was that Harvard Business School study that showed that um, <laughs> that women would have the same pitch as a man. 
they set yeah. it all up, and the men would get funded, and the women wouldn't. The, the Swedish uh, did some. Re- the Swedes did some research too, and a woman has to will say the same thing, and she will be called inexperienced, and the guy will be called he has potential. Okay, so it is so ingrained, and we have to actively fight against our biases, be them gender, race, or whatever. And it takes work. And it takes the ability to talk to each other about this and to call people out. And I think that's the biggest cultural change we're having now is people feel like they can say something and other people will stand by them when they do. Right. And I think that's a good thing. And I think, as Ingrid mentioned as well, there needs to be a huge cultural shift overall that these Um, The definition of a professional business meeting needs to um, be redefined in the startup world and include, uh, well, not include multiple glasses of alcohol, parties, drugs, you know, any of the above. Of course. Right, Ingrid? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think one of the fears that I've heard around some of the recommendations or policy recommendations that are being put forth is that, you know, one of the the ideas of the recommendations addresses is that men shouldn't ask women for a business meeting when actually they have romantic intent. That mm-hmm. seems like something that should be very clear and obviously inappropriate. However, the feeling from women oftentimes is like, well, then, you know, that could lead to women getting fewer meetings, not yes. because they only get meetings when there's romantic intent, but because they may be afraid that it could be construed otherwise and therefore just won't hold the meeting, kind of similar to what you mentioned about some firms stating that they wouldn't have meetings alone with women or or things like that. And I mean, I just can't think of an obvious solution to that, except that I think it's going to be up to each party to make sure it's clear at the onset uh, of the meeting that this is a business meeting and there has to be some trust and confidence within yourself and, um, you know, on both sides. They, yeah. This is the agenda. Well, you know, I'll say two specific things with that. One is, you know, if you're a man and you'd like to have a, a romantic or personal time with a woman, then ask them on a date. You know, as long as there's no business reason not to, be clear and ask them on a date. If your intent is to have a business meeting, be clear it's a, that it's a business meeting. Just don't try to get a date by asking for a business meeting. Right. <laughs> uh, that that's one thing specifically and then also i think we kind of need to think in the industry about how we're doing business these days and how casual and informal so many of the interactions are mm-hmm. um, i know that's seen as one of the ways that business is done but perhaps we can kind of start moving toward a place where we handle business in a more professional manner so it's not the situation where men can have evening drinks and dinners for business reading reasons but men and women mixed can't do that, which would therefore kind of just exclude women from the conversation. That's that's right. Well, except I don't think it's going to happen. It hasn't happened. No. You know, o- only now are maybe people, women being asked to go on the ski trip or the golf trip. No. And, and- only because we have to call it out on them, you know. So mm-hmm. honest. And, and then when you think about it, if you're a woman and you're pitching VCs, you know, the biggest advice that, that we all hear is we better bring a guy not because we need the guy to protect us, although I think sometimes, obviously, that that probably gets in the way of, of, of the venture person hitting up the woman. But because we need to have, have to 
have somebody who pattern matches the mm-hmm. VC. So we're supposed to bring a guy. Now, great if you have a guy, and I have I have a, a male employee who's or consultant who's doing some really good work for me, totally appropriate. But you shouldn't have to do it because you ha- you feel like you have the need for protection or because you have to pattern match. That's ridiculous. Well, I think what you're speaking to too is another thing I address, which is. You know, there are overt forms of sexual harassment and abuse, and then there are all of these really subtle things that serve to diminish women's confidence or feeling like they can access. And I can certainly speak for myself in situations where I've been pitching VCs and had a male in the room, even though, let's say, I was the one holding all of the information and doing all the talking, the eyes of the VC were constantly focused on the man. Yeah, does he agree? questions, they (laughs) ask the man, right? And I think that's a very, very common experience for women entrepreneurs. But I think one of the solutions, um, several of the VCs, I'm just thinking about it now, um, that are, have incredibly diverse portfolios, are incredibly um, driven towards equality, incredibly respectful. Um, Not once have I ever had a drink with them anywhere. I've always had a meeting at, you know, some coffee shop in Palo Alto or in a boardroom at some company or, you know, even just kiteboarding on a beach. Um, But I've never actually been out for for drinks at a time or in a situation where it could be misconstrued. You know, I I think that's something I've I've noticed over, you know, I'm nearly 40 now (laughs) over the course of my career, which has been primarily in male-dominated fields. I think when I was younger, I oftentimes would accept, you know, a request to meet in the evening over a drink or dinner or whatever it may be, thinking that it was for a business purpose, not even realizing at all that the person might be thinking something otherwise. And somewhere in my kind of early to mid-30s, I realized, that maybe there, you know, the intentions were a little bit different, and I just stopped accepting those sorts of meetings and started only meeting in, you know, more formal context. Um, whether or not that limited my ability to get meetings, I'm I'm not so sure. But I think oftentimes for women, it's just it's hard to understand what a man's intention is, and that's why it's so important to just be clear. Exactly. If you be want a date? Ask for a date. <laughs> and be clear on your agenda as well. Coming up, we'll have more on this discussion, so stay with us. Now, back to Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome back to the show. We have Fran Meyer and Ingrid Sanders. Fran is in studio. Ingrid is on the phone. I want to jump right to Ingrid because I want to give everybody something tangible and actionable that they can do right now. They can go online. They can go to TechCrunch techcrunch.com, and Ingrid participated in a very important template that they created that would ultimately inspire decency and respect for all. Ingrid, do you want to explain what this is? Sure. The title of the article is A Template for Investor Founder Sexual Harassment Policy, and this was created by the collective effort of a group of people, entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and others, Um, published just this week as a way to give venture capital firms in particular a template for sexual harassment policies to incorporate in their companies. One of the reasons this is so important is because venture capitalists and entrepreneurs don't fall under the the typical employer-employee relationship that is covered by employment law. Um, And so we need a new way to kind of address these specific types of issues um, the policy is intended to be kind of a living document and really just a starting point, but it touches on some very, I think, helpful um, frameworks. So one in particular is that 
it identifies the prohibited forms of harassment or discrimination and specifically breaks these down into four different levels. So level A, that's verbal or gender harassment. Level B, that's sex, uh, direct sexual propositions. Level C, which is sexual coercion or bribery. And mm -hmm. level D, which is sexual assault. So just by being more specific about what we mean when we say sexual harassment or sexual abuse, um, I think we can have a more clear conversation. It also gives recommendations around enforcement and some supplemental recommendations. I'd highly encourage anyone who has an interest in this topic to read that policy. I think that's really important. Thank you so much, Ingrid. Any last thoughts before we move on? Um, no, just can, thank you so much for addressing this topic. I think the more we can keep the conversation elevated to, you know, preventing abuse and harassment in the investor-founder dynamic broadly, inclusive of gender, but not exclusive to that, I think the faster we're going to make progress. I agree. Thank you so much. And Ingrid brings up a, a good point. Um, I'm just reading a, a tweet right now. Um, and Fran, you had mentioned this earlier, um, alluded to this. Um, there's a, a meme out there that says, I'm not the woman president of Harvard. I'm the president mm -hmm. of Harvard, creating a very gender neutral corporate America. Mm -hmm. Really the goal. Right. And you have so, some solutions that could help lead to that. So it, there's a long list and, and I think there, it probably could be longer. But aside from doing the bare minimum, which is not harassing or abusing your power in a dynamic with the founder. It includes investing in more women mm -hmm. actively. It includes actively addressing your own gender biases. And by the way, women have gender biases as well. Oh, interesting. Really? Of course we do. Because, you know, and, and there's all kinds of tests that you can take a look, but we often think a doctor is a guy. And, and I, I did that the other day. You know, I made that assumption. It's those subconscious behaviors you know, and, that you just got that come out. Have them, mm -hmm. okay? And when we realize that we all have them, then it makes it a little bit easier to say to yourself, "Okay, I have to work on this." Hey, there's a lot of organizations. I'm the board of Girls in Tech. There's Black Girls Code. There's Women Who Code. There's other organizations aimed at other populations, young, old, different ethnicities, and so on, or, or women specifically. Support those. Um, Support the organizations and, and the firms. You know, we're seeing this with the LPs behind these venture capital firms. Mm -hmm. Some of them are saying, you guys did wrong. We're going to take our money. Good for them. So that's holding well, everybody accountable. LPs holding their investors, their VCs accountable, I think is huge. But more than anything, Kim, we need more women to be successful so they can wield the power that these VCs are wielding. And when and that's the way we get to parity is when there's more of us in in industry in VC ranks running companies succeeding, not to mention other sectors of our universe, things will get better. And Cassie is on the line, and she um, agrees with you. Part of the solution will be to support women with actionable and measured measurable initiatives led by people who genuinely care about a solution. Right, Cassie? What do you mean by that? It would lose cash. Oh, no, I'm here. Thank you. That's a great question. That means really helping founders implement things that will help women. I've seen we help a lot of companies in my business with mother's rooms and breastfeeding benefits programs. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times these companies are getting advice or taking actions not 
to do things to support women. Maybe they want a fun workplace, like, I don't know, having skateboards or nice chairs in the office, but they don't do things that will have a long-term impact on women and helping them bring them up in the company. So that was one of the examples. And I'm wondering if creating actual, you know, policies that that state this is the way you act, this is the way you need to be, um, need to be in place, or do you think that we just all stand together and only support those businesses, you know, not requiring them to have act in a certain way? But what if we said, you know what, you act in a certain way, we're not going to support you and only support those businesses who do offer those um, things that, that cater to women, maybe the breastfeeding room or those clear policies, the diverse, diverse portfolios and such. You know, I have to say, when I ran trustee, we, as a nonprofit, had a lot of women. And then we hired, when then we took in venture capital, hired a bunch of guys. And many of, at least two of the guys told me they loved working at our company because it wasn't a sausage factory, and they enjoyed <laughs> I've heard that a million <laughs> yeah. times. And they enjoyed working with the women. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because we were wearing short skirts or anything like that. They just enjoyed the fact that it was a more open, positive uh, environment. And that's really where we should get to. And what do you think, Cassie? Yeah, I think it's really becoming a competitive advantage for Mm -hmm. firms that are offering more benefits to women. Um, Women now are starting to look at places that have things like child care, a good maternity policy. So it is naturally starting to happen, but I think we could do more to make it um, more common. And Cassie, stay on the line. You're will- you're welcome to jump in at any point. We do have Kate also on the line, and she believes in action-oriented change. Right, Kate? Hi. Yes, hi. You're saying that the, the discussion is at a point where we should be focusing on solutions, and we agree. Yes, and I, you know, I've been in this space for with the women in tech sort of ecosystem for over a decade, and wow, um, discussion has been. Wonderful, but we are certainly at a point now where I think that change in the action really has yet to be realized and organized, too. So, you know, we, as a at Women 2.0, we sort of look at that nexus as the next sweet spot is, all right, people need actual tangible solutions. Yes. And then oftentimes it needs, you know, we think a lot about scale and access to our solutions and it's, it's a little bit of the wild, wild west because there aren't really a ton out there. But that's where we are as sort of a space and an ecosystem is is we need tangible, we need action, we need people to move on what they've been saying. So, yeah, I think it's a big, it, it's a big sort of, you know, <laughs> if, uh, if I were super optimistic, I'm sort of hoping this is a big tipping point for the whole thing. But, um but we need to we need to start walking the walk. And that means investing in women, promoting women to managing partners at VCs, to valuing the products that women bring to market. You know, I've heard yep. one of the biases against investing in women is that this guy doesn't necessarily want to sit in a boardroom talking about bras or shapewear or purses or what have you. But what about the fact maybe we need 
more women investors well, that, that uh, can invest well, in those companies. I mean, there are a lot of women that have a lot of money, and we, we just need to get them to move forward and support women products. Absolutely, we should. Portfolios working on that. There's other things. But women, uh, wealthy women, don't necessarily do it. They give it to charity, which is great, but they ought to be giving it to thinking about where they could have additional impact by investing in women. And if we had more female entrepreneurs who were successful, they would also become VCs. Mm-hmm. Well, coming up right here on Kim McNicholas on innovation, I am curious and I'm going to ask and I might get a little backlash because of this, but I'm wondering how much responsibility we should put on ourselves to become successful here in Silicon Valley and maybe stand together at some point. So stay with us. Now, back to Kim McNicholas on innovation. Welcome back to the show. We have Fran in studio. We have Cassie and Kate. Cassie, say hi. Hi, thanks for having me. So you know her voice and Kate, say hello as well. Hi, thank you for having me. And over the next few minutes as we move towards the end of the show here, I want to, and I think all of us together, um, cumulatively want to offer some tangible, actionable solutions that we can put into practice. Ingrid, who you heard earlier, suggested that everyone go to TechCrunch.com and look for that article that ta- that offers a template for um, adopting a policy for decency and diversity in today's day and age, um, especially for entrepreneurs and investors, contractors and contractees, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Fran, you had some great ideas as well. Yeah, so in addition to the other ones I've been talking about, about funding women, getting more women into venture capital, obviously um, investing in broader opportunity for all, I think one of the things we need to do is elevate the women who are slogging it through, who are trying to raise money, who are building companies. Maybe they are aimed at families and women. Mm -hmm. And if we celebrate them as our heroes, not just the guys in hoodies, Mm -hmm. that also sends a message. And also along those same lines, celebrating the people that the men that are supporting women. Right. There are amazing VCs out there focusing not on the a-holes out there, but on the ones that are aligned with you. Right. And, you know, I I especially admire those women who turned down the money. Yes. Because they knew that 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 was a big decision for their company. But, you know, what women entrepreneurs need to know is that when they bring on a board member or a big investor, Mm -hmm. they're going to have to live with that person for a long time. And it really frustrates me (laughs) that for so long, people have supported, in a sense, Dave McClure, and he's a self-proclaimed creep. He always has been this self-proclaimed creep. So why do we keep supporting him? Yeah, well, as we Let's said, focus money on talks. the ones that are good yeah, quality exactly. people. Exactly. Yeah, and I, I think that's where we all have to do a, a real solid reassessment of our processes and our company relationships. I mean, part of this entire thing was that this relationship between uh, VC firms and portfolio companies was fuzzy. So you've seen a couple of. Um, you've seen a couple of firms that extended their internal employee-employer sexual harassment policies directly to all of their portfolio companies. So that needs to be really reassessed is, is where do we have fuzziness? And in addition, where are these relationships? Who are we supporting? And does that align with our sort of core values? We talked a bit before about B Corps. You know, if you're at actual B Corps and that's in your mission statement, you're making decisions. You have to make decisions on that mission statement. 
So, you know, this is a really good opportunity for some big reassessment for some people. I love it. And what about you, Cassie? I think um, mutual respect and thinking about uncomfortable positions is really important. I think firms and companies need to be really purposeful how they deal with these situations. Um, One good example I have is I was talking to a male leader who had a breastfeeding mom. And instead of going in and maybe having an uncomfortable situation, he brought in us as Healthy Horizons to kind of talk to her and make sure she was set up in a way where she didn't feel she was in an uncomfortable situation. Wow. I, I think that that's we had to expand this, the same courtesy. You know, one of the things I've heard a lot about is that let's say a guy is training for a, or even a woman, training for a marathon or something, mm-hmm. that they'll be given time off and, and congratulated for doing that. But if it's the same amount of time to pick up your kid a couple days a week early from school, it's frowned upon. And it depends on the, on the company. So why not literally um, focus on those companies and celebrate those companies that are doing it right, that are helping, that are creating diverse environments, creating equality and creating those opportunities for family and finding those companies that are aligned with you. And if we get all of the most talented people going in that direction, what is going to happen to those companies that aren't? They are going to either fall by the wayside or they're going to be forced to comply and find alignment with those other companies that are getting the best talent. It's definitely a competitive advantage to support women because they are half the workforce and we have so many talented women in Silicon Valley. And, you know, look at Uber. Uber had to take action, not just because of uh, Sarah Fowler's allegations, but I think it started to hurt their bottom line. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know in San Francisco, very few women take Uber. Mm -hmm. They'd rather go with Lyft. And, and I actually started using even, Lyft more when I realized that there was a premium side to it. <laughs> I didn't know that before. Yeah. And I'll say, you know, in regards to Uber, too, you know, we, we just launched a recruitment platform for women, um, for female technologists. Oh, wow. And Uber, call, Uber called us, and they're, they're not working with us right now. And, and it's because we, we I could, and I said it very, very, very pointedly is we, we cannot let you on this platform right now. I can't turn to my candidate base and say that this is a good work for, work, workforce, or I'm sorry, workplace for them to enter into. And did you give them some guidelines of what they'd have to do oh, to be able to do that? Yeah, yeah okay. I gave them, I sent them in a whole proposal, um, not proposal, like suggestions, and said, you know, and, and really sort of advised them that they think a lot more sensitively about how they're going about fixing this. And it's not going to be just hiring women and, you know, a couple of PR moves is that you guys really have to turn inside and you've got to show the rest of us that you're genuinely changing. Mm -hmm. And I, and we have only one minute left. So in 15 seconds, I'm bringing up a very hot button issue. How much of it also, you know, we also, not only do men have a few bad seeds that ruin it for the rest of men, we also as women have a few bad seeds that I have actually um, seen um, take off their top to pose with a very famous entre- famous investor, the female entrepreneurs doing that, or flirting and hands all over them over at the famous Battery Club in San Francisco. I mean, we also have to stand up and say to those women, you know what, you're ruining it for the rest of us. We want to be credible. We want to be um, seen as professionals. You know, need to act appropriately as well. 
It's all about respect. Exactly. And it's not condoning inappropriate behavior from men in any form or fashion. But by the same token, I think we all need to work together and stand together to create this mutual, respected, um, professional workplace. Right? Everyone agree? (laughs) Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us. If you want to continue the conversation, go online. Girls in Tech is our hashtag. Have a great weekend, everybody. This has been Kim McNicholas on Innovation. You can connect with Kim on Facebook forward slash Kim McNicholas or email Kim McNicholas at gmail.com. Be sure to join us again next Friday at 1 for Kim McNicholas on Innovation. This show is distributed by the Innovators Network. For more information and other great shows and content, visit theinnovators.network. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.